Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Teen Gen Talks, where the goal is to empower the youth of Glendale and connect youth to community resources, individuals, and organizations through interviews and discussions. I'm your host, Melissa. And I'm Desiree. We had the pleasure of talking to Zeke Benya. Zeke is a Chicano illustrator and cartoonist from El Paso, Texas. He illustrated the award-winning books, Mi Papi Has a Motorcycle, and Photographic, The Life of Garciela. His studio work is a mashup of political cartoon, border rescache, and hip-hop culture that addresses identity, politics, ecology, and social justice. Zeke is currently writing and illustrating a story for young readers about growing up in the desert. We hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you, Zeke, for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. We have a lot to discuss. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for making the space for me to be here. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to speak with you all. And, you know, thank you for giving me the platform to talk about my work. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. So thanks. Awesome. So to start off the interview, um, what about drawing and painting drew you to it? Yeah, um, drawing. I mean, I think like a lot of us, it's just like, it's like a common question. But, and I always try to like, say this because I think that it helps encourage other people who say that they can't draw, right? Like so many people, like that's what they say. Oh, I can't draw. I love what you do. Like I can't draw, right? And it's not, that. it's just not true, right? Because we all draw, we, we draw when we're young or most of us do, I should say the vast majority of us do. And just like everyone else, I started drawing when I was younger. And I think comics is what like really got me into it. It's really, really what got me interested. I could say cartoons also, like cartoons were really a big part of my life growing up. And that that's what really interested me, I think, in characters. I've always been very interested in characters. And like, so I was very intrigued from, I think, a young age, trying to understand like how they made cartoons or how comics were made. It was just, it was like this mysterious thing when I was younger. And so a lot of my early drawings, like in some of when I give presentations and stuff, it's something that I'll review sometimes is like showing really early drawings that I did. I also like to show those drawings because they're terrible, right? Like as they as they should be, right? Like they're drawings, I'm, I still make terrible drawings. Like it's just a part of the process, right? Like none of us are perfect. And um, you're, you know, I never want to be perfect. Like I never want my drawing to always just be perfect because then it's a really good indication of me not being open to growth and like not trying to try different things. And so I think, you know, from a young age, when I show those, what I was talking about those presentations is like, I'll show early drawings. And like from really early on, I'm trying to like draw cartoon characters. Um, uh, it was funny, like, so my sisters and both my mom and my sister are educators and my sister is still currently a, um, works in a middle school in Texas and um, she she sent me a picture of one of my books that was at a book fair and it was like the first time I think I actually saw one of my books at a book fair and that was like huge to me I was like oh this is so cool uh, just this was just yesterday actually um, and it, that was like that was something really cool for me too like I was always into books um, very intrigued by them like by the medium and so some of the early books that I would get from book fairs and things like that were like how to draw characters. Um, I have some books here on my bookshelf that are the same. I had to reorder them, but they're the same books that I had when I was a kid, like how to draw like goblins and monsters and like different characters. And so I think it was that that part of the process of like trying to figure something out, right? It's like a problem solving thing. Like here's this really cool, like Felix the cat character, right? Like how how does that, how do you draw that? And so 
you know, a lot of it's with basic shapes and stuff. And so I think that's what really got me interested in drawing from an early age. So do you remember some of your first drawings that you have done? Yeah, I mean, on that point, like I think one of the earliest ones that I have is a, is a drawing of Felix the cat from third or fourth grade. Um, and, and it's funny, like, it was like super important for me to let everyone, like I signed it at the bottom, right? Like as you do when you're younger. Um, and at the, at, at the bottom of it or right, right under my signature, it says like hand drawn by Zeke Benya, you know? And it was like, it was like super important for me to let, let everyone know like, hey, like I hand drew this. I don't know if y'all knew that, but like my hand did this. Um, so that, that's definitely a drawing, um, but maybe something different that I haven't talked about yet is um, I've been, so I recently moved, right? Like I'm, I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Um, I was, I was, I was born in uh, New Mexico, in southern New Mexico, which is where my mother's family's from. And um, I recently moved, and like in moving, you're always like boxing your stuff up and like packing it and trying to get rid of stuff, and then like taking on new stuff, and like so you're always, or at least I am, I, I like collect things too. Like I'm like a archivist, right? Uh, so I have a lot of old drawings from when I was younger, and and I recently came across some drawings from when I was in middle school. And they were drawings of like, um, it, it was like a mixed bag, right? It was like, I was in middle school. So it was like this thing where I was like super into like hip hop and like low riders and like, like just like that, that kind of lifestyle. So some of them were like drawings of cars and like, um, and then on the other side of it was like being into comics, right? So some of them were like wizards and like magic stuff and whatever. And, and then uh, the, the, probably the standout though from that little sketchbook, because they were all in one little sketchbook, um, was a drawing of uh, Selena, like Selena, the, the musician uh, who's from, from Texas. And it's like the, the worst portrait you could ever see of <laughs> Selena, right? But it's like, like one of the eyes is like this, you know, and it's like all um, really crooked and stuff. But I, I liked it. I thought it was cool that I was like, Doug Selena enough to be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw this. I'm gonna draw this for her, you know? So yeah, I, maybe that, that's the one that I'll leave with you, leave you with, yeah. I love that. Um, and so you have a degree in art history from the University of Texas at Austin. Um, so from, you know, just, you know, drawing to, to then later pursuing this avenue, what made you want to pursue it? Yeah, I had, I have like a really, um, I also like to share this part. Like I have a very winding road to get where I'm at now, right? Um, it, it seems like there's like this one straight path that like from point A to point B and like, you're gonna start doing this and then you're gonna end up doing this. Mm -hmm. And that's like for sure not the road that I took. It's not, that was not my path. I took a really winding road to get here, right? And I, I did different, a lot of different things. I've worked many jobs, you know, um, and I've worked in film and I've owned like a record store and like I've, you know, DJed and then I like did writing and all this other stuff and did graphic design stuff. And I think that I, you know, I always wanted to do this. Like I was always interested in making books um, from a young age and specifically comics and cartoons. Like, but I think that it, it wasn't necessarily that that desire wasn't there. It was really more just like trying to think pra practically about it. Like, is this a practical thing for me to do? Like, like many of us, we grow up in households where like our parents want us to have a really practical job. They're like, we want you to make a living and be able to support yourself and like, you know, live a life. And 
whatever you know a family looks like to you or whatever whatever your your life looks like to you we want you to be able to have that right mm -hmm. and so i think that my my parents while they were super supportive of like my creativity and my drawing um i think that they were wanting to me to be do something practical so i i initially studied architecture um in lubbock and at texas tech in lubbock and i loved studying architecture and i absolutely could not handle lubbock so i moved i left mm -hmm. after one semester it just like wasn't my vibe I, I just like didn't feel comfortable there and so i left and uh, i went back to study at home for a little while i've also studied at four different universities or excuse me three universities and one community college so some of my degree comes from a community college um so i, I went to different schools and stuff and um the reason that I chose like art history was because <laughs> I had applied to the graphic design program at, at UT Austin and they accepted my application. They're like, yeah, cool. You're, you're in the college, like you can come to the university, but the graphic design program at that point was like really competitive. And at that time, I really hadn't done a whole lot of graphic design. I didn't really have like a portfolio. I had mostly been focusing on painting and drawing. And so they didn't think that I was a good candidate to be a graphic design major. And so I was in the university and just had to pick like a degree and I just picked art history because it seemed to me like it was close enough to what I was really wanting to do, but it also checked the box for my parents of like, I could go be a professor or I could go on to work at a museum or something like that. And I think that while I was going to school, that, that was definitely my intention was to be an art historian, like a curator or, or, or a professor or something like that. Um, and then, you know, after after going through that process, um, I just started freelancing for a long time after I graduated. Um, film, graphic design, I did other just random jobs, you know, and then um, little by little, I started getting more and more opportunities to illustrate. And then, you know, finally, the, the book project came across um, in 2013, I think it was. And then that was really kind of what set me off on the path that I'm on now to, to be an illustrator. How did you hone in your craft and find your own style? Oh, man, this is a rough one. Um, I think that I'm confident now saying that I've done that, right? Like, I, I think I can say that now. I have I have confidence in that now. I didn't used to, for sure. Like, I it's like a organic thing. It's not, I didn't like arrive. I didn't like draw something one day and I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is my style. Like, this <laughs> is what I do. Um, which, I, which I think is like how everyone is, right? Like, it's, it's with anything that we do that, that's like, it's always gonna fluctuate. It's not, ever, you're not ever gonna get to a point where you plateau and it's like, yeah, like I'm doing everything I wanna be doing with my craft. But I, I think it was just experimentation, honestly. Like I, I, I tried a lot of different things as I've mentioned several times now at this point, like it's really important to me. Like, so when I'm teaching illustration too, so like I have been a professor of illustration, it's really important to me to also suggest like doing different things that are not in the medium that you're working in, right? Like it's super important to listen to music, to go watch movies, to go take a walk in the park or go for a hike or something, right? Like in all of that experience, I think is what has informed my, you know, life. And, and I think that that lived life is really what helps fuel my work. It's really what gives me ideas. It's what helps me generate like that creativity to, to go to the blank page and create something. That's one side of it. And then the other side of it is just practice, right? So I would say experimentation and then practice. Um, it's just like anything else, right? Like whether you're learning to cook or learning to sew or whatever it is, 
you're going to make some bad stuff. You know, it's like, you're going to, those bad drawings are going to be there. You're going to write some terrible things. Um, and you just, you just kind of kind of keep doing it. And I think that it, in a strange way, I think even the way that I answered this question at the beginning, right? Like it's a lot about self-confidence. It's a lot about like self-acceptance and like self-love, right? Like, do I, do I think the thing that I did is a good thing? And I have to be able to answer that question. Like, yeah, that, that's a good thing that I did. And so I think that that just comes with experience and experimentation and practice, right? Um, and, and trying those different things. And then certainly I've taken influence from other illustrators, musicians, creators, uh, you know, friends, people in my community, colleagues. I mean, I continue to still look at like young illustrators and, you know, people who are, you know, making manga like in high school or whatever, just whatever anyone's doing. I'm like very interested in like, um, new formats and new ways of creating work and so i think that 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 interest is also what helps me um continue to go back to my style and the way that i draw and the things that i do to um you know see if i want to try something different and you illustrated the award-winning books uh, my puppy has a motorcycle and photographic the life of garciela how did these opportunities arise yeah so these were uh, this is a pretty easy story it's like the, the project that I mentioned earlier when I, in 2013, when I first got an opportunity to make something in the publishing industry, I had always self-published, right? Like coming from a place like El Paso, Texas, there aren't a whole lot of like opportunities to, I think it's changing quite a bit now, the city's growing and stuff, but there aren't, weren't a whole lot of opportunities to like show in galleries and like uh, certainly not publishing, uh, publishing work, but I had always, you know, self-published things and, you know, try to find little magazines to do illustrations in. I was big, like in the music industry, like making album covers, making show posters, uh, doing community organizing work and making, you know, posters for community organizing and, and activist initiatives in, in the community. And that practice, I bring that up because I think that it was really that practice that helped prepare me for when that opportunity came across. Because once that opportunity was there um, in 2013, I was prepared for it. Like I felt confident to be able to do it. And so a small publisher in El Paso, Texas, Cinco Puntos Press was publishing the work of uh, Isabel Quintero, who is my friend and now longtime collaborator. And Isabel was working on her first manuscript and a story that is really personal to her. Uh, it's a beautiful book, um, and they paired me. They paired her with me to do the the book cover and some interior illustrations for that book. It's a book by the name of uh, Gabby, a Girl in Pieces, and um, I once that opportunity kind of came across, I got just like a sense of what it was like to make work in the publishing industry, and I think then from that project you know, it just kind of grows, you know, like uh, people saw that book. And so then I got another job to make a book cover. I get another job to make another book cover. People see that work. And then they, you know, then we get this opportunity to make the children's book. And that was in 2019. Um, My Papi Has a Motorcycle. That's also written by um, uh, Isabel. Actually, I skipped one. Photographic is, is the one that we worked on in 2017. And so those were just, um, I mean, I think they come from our collaboration. I think that it's like the pairing of Isabel and I is really what generates that opportunity. She's an awesome author and, you know, I think I'm pretty awesome illustrator. And so they paired us and, you know, it just kind of rolled from there. We, we worked on Gabby, then photographic. And now, you know, my papi has a motorcycle. And so 
Um, you know, but it was really just, again, like being, ha having made the work and having, having a lot of portfolio, a, a large portfolio of illustrations, working on many projects, and then being prepared for that moment of opportunity, right? Because those, those moments of opportunity, they, they pop up, but sometimes we're not ready for them, right? Um, so I think that the timing was just really good. It was a, a good moment, you know? Yeah, part of it's luck a little bit too, unfortunately. So you have also done covers for two records, Texas Soul and Chicago Batman. How did you approach a music project versus a book project? Oh, I love this. This is maybe the best question I've ever had in an interview. And, and honestly, the first time, maybe second time someone's ever brought up my work in music. Uh, so thank you all for doing that. Um, yeah, I approach them differently. Let me think. I think I approach them differently in thinking about how people are gonna engage with the work, right? Because it's a little bit different. An album cover nowadays, most people are not collecting records, right? Or vinyl records or CDs or tapes or whatever unless you're like into like this vintage thing, right? Or throwback thing. Um, but, you know, it's like a, you know, we're mostly on our phones, right? So the way that we're looking at the work is gonna be a lot smaller, um, unless you're on your computer or on YouTube or something on your computer. Um, so I think about that a little bit. I think about how the person who's looking at it is, is gonna be looking at it. I, I literally try to like put myself in the position of the person who's gonna uh, look at the image that I'm making. The Texas Soul one was a really fun one. Um, Adrian Quesada, who's also in the Black Pumas, uh, been a longtime friend. I, I know, I've known Adrian since I went to school in Austin in the Grupo Fantasma days, which is a band that he used to play in. And I always wanted to collaborate, um, just the timing was never right. And at some point he just reached out to me and I got to work on that one. And then the Chicano Batman single, um, This Land Is Your Land, that, that one was a really fun one. There were some like different ideas around the cover, but at the time I had been working on a lot of work around the river between Ciudad Juarez and El Paso. Uh, it's the referred to as the Rio Grande, right? Or the Rio Bravo. And so uh, I had made this image. I was doing research in the community of people who had experiences with the river. And I had this drawing of one of my elders, like one of my mentors uh, swimming in the river, you know, diving into the river. And I showed it to them. I already had it drawn. I showed it to them and they liked it. And so they were two super different experiences because one was kind of already drawn. I just had to prepare it. And then the other one was made specifically for the, the Texas Soul Project. Um, but yeah, like I've, I've been collecting records since I was in high school. I, I was started DJing in high school and like emceeing in high school. And so um, music informs a lot of what I do, not just like audibly, like the way that music is created, but um, you know, production techniques, um, the medium of the vinyl, right? Like it's a tactile medium, you're holding vinyl. And so it's a lot like a book in that way. And um, those parallels are, um, yeah, something that I, I'll play with sometimes. So your work is a mashup of political cartoons, hip hop culture that addresses identity, politics, ecology, and social justice. Um, mm -hmm. The cartoons that you have created are so powerful. How did you know like, okay, I have to draw and convey these messages. Was it the lack of representation a push? Hmm. Yeah, like that, that certainly plays into it. Like the lack of representation thing. Um, I, I'm, I'm aware of it. And I think it's a super important issue. I, I think that it's something that's like lower on the priority list for me though. Um, I think that every, like everyone should just have access to like, Put their work out there right like we should we all should be able to have our stories 
in the hands of people who are wanting to read our stories, right? And um, I don't think it needs to be any more complicated than that. So I think when I'm making that kind of work, um, especially in the community, it's really more focused on like the intention of, of what's being made, right? Like the intention of a certain initiative. I've done a lot of organizing around, you know, border rights issues in my community with regard to the river, with regard to citizenship, right? Land rights, right? Indigenous land rights, things like that. Uh, food justice is a project that I've recently worked on. And so I think um, when I'm doing that work, it does look very different than when I'm making a book cover, for example, um, because I'm wearing a little bit of a different hat. It's a very similar hat, but it's a different hat. Um, when I'm in that role, someone from the community is contacting me and they're saying, hey, we here we are, this is our organization, or this is our initiative, and this is something that we're really concerned about, and this is something that, that we're wanting to raise awareness about, or raise funds, or like whatever the initiative is, right? Or someone's in detention, we're trying to get someone out of detention, right? There's, there's a lot of different scenarios, and a lot of different orgs working on different things. But they're contacting me, and they're saying, this is what we're working on, and all they're looking for is for me to put a visual to that thing, right? It's typically a story, right? Sometimes it's a concept or an idea. And so I think, um, you know, if someone reach, reaches out to me, I'm going to follow their lead first and foremost. They're the experts on the topic and the issue. And I'm really just a person that can draw really well and figure things out. So how can I make myself um, useful, right? Like how do I make myself a tool that the community can use, right? I don't, I don't have to be the person to speak on everything, but if someone requ requires it of me and asks me to do it, then, that, then that's really when I feel like I, I need to say something. So I think that it's, it's really motivated by that. It's motivated by someone, one of my friends or someone in the community is saying like, hey, this is an important issue. We would like to partner with you and collaborate on this and um, for you to draw some stuff. And so that, that's really where, where those projects come from. So when you don't have any inspiration to draw or create, what do you do to overcome it? I take lots of breaks. I sleep. I take naps. I sleep on the floor in my studio sometimes. I try to go for walks. Um, sometimes it's interesting. Like I think I, I've tried to be more aware about when to stop, right? It's so easy to have like a lot of inspiration to like, just draw stuff and make stuff right it's you're you're kind of always thinking like why haven't i made that thing already like oh my gosh i'm so stressed out because i need to draw or i'm so stressed out because i want to create this new thing or try this different thing or finish this project right and so i think that a lot of that a lot of the energy is really like you're trying to create trying to create and so sometimes those blocks come from trying to push too hard right it's like you're just doing too much right so how how can you try to do less and so i think that i try to be more aware of when things aren't quite going right, you know? And sometimes I sit down at the table, like no joke, like I'll waste the whole day. Like I'll sit here for 12 hours at my drafting table. And at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, like I just sat there and erased and redrew things and threw things out. And like, I didn't get anything done, you know? And it's super frustrating and it's tough. But I think as time passes, I'm more and more confident that when I, when I decide to stop or when I decide to take a break, um, I can come back to it just rested and like, and usually the ideas are better. Usually the creativity comes more easily. I think when you, whenever you're trying to force something too much, it's just not gonna go, you know? 
Um, but if you can have some ease and like patience and find a good rhythm, a good sustainable rhythm, um, that's also healthy for you and your body and your mental health, right? Like, how can I, how can I have that sustainability, like in my own practice, right? To be able to, to be healthy in what I do. And so, yeah, I would say that just like I pause, I just stop. I just like, I'm like, all right, like you're not doing it right now. This is not working. Um, and fortunately I I'm working on, I'm always working on several projects simultaneously. Um, so I just, I'll put a project away and just pull out something else and work on something else for a little while and, and let it sit. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the work needs silence and like to not be doing anything for a little while. It needs rest too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking about projects, you are also currently writing and illustrating a story for young readers about growing up in the desert. Um, can you talk a bit more about this project? Oh my God, yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this project. Um, this will be the first time that hopefully, you know, I don't have a, a book deal yet, but I am in conversations with, you know, some publishers and stuff, but um, it'll be the first time that I've written something and illustrated it. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. It'll be the first time something that I've written and illustrated has been officially published. Let me put it that way, right? Like I've published comics that I've written and a lot of self-published work, a lot of uh, zines and things like that, right? Like I've been doing this for a long time. And so you just, sometimes you just got to put the work out there yourself. But I'm really excited about this because I'll be able to spend time on actually um, writing, you know, and I've spent a good, you know, two years, two and a half years writing it. I'm, I'm now in the phase of drawing it and like illustrating and working on the characters. And so this story and the idea comes from uh, my childhood. It comes from the experience of my brother and sister where we lived when we were younger, we lived at like one of the last houses on the outskirts of El Paso. Um, and it was just like desert, right? It's just desert and mountains. It's just really raw, like nature, you know? Um, if we live near a forest, it would be like filled with trees, but it's the desert. So it's like filled with cactuses and like bushes and rocks and stuff, you know, and dirt and other beautiful, amazing things. And so I think that that's that experience of being outside all day uh, that I think is something that has changed a little bit for us. Like, I think we're inside a lot. You know, we, we have these amazing devices that hold our attention for a long time and are amazing. But I think I also just want to you know, kind of capture that special moment when we can be outside and um, be under the sun, right? It, it, there's this uh, really, the sun plays, whether we acknowledge it or not, the sun plays a really important part in our lives, right? It, it's responsible for a lot of thing, really important things like, you know, gravity and like heat and like growing our food and making us happy, right? It gives us vitamins. And so while it's not like a scientific book, like scientific, like Western science, um, it does have a lot of like, you know, little things in there that are special things, just like growing up and uh, being under the sun and playing in the dirt. And, um, you know, it's just, it's like a little bit of a, you know, love letter to like my sibling relationships, you know, and a little bit to my dad too. It's like rooted in this dad story. Um, and then to like make it something a little different. It's also like futuristic a little bit. It takes place in like a parallel universe. It's, it's, similar to our universe, but not quite. Um, and so there's just, it's just like sci-fi. I was trying to think of like, how can I make a sci-fi picture book in the desert and about the sun? And so that, that's what it's about. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's gonna be 
unique for sure and strange, but yeah, I've just really enjoyed living with these characters, thinking about these moments. I've, I've gone back to that place. I continue to go back to that place where I grew up and go for a hike or go for a run, right? Running is really important to me and being in that space. And it's just like a really special space. It's a really special place to me. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's basically about that and takes place. And, you know, my, my intention is that hopefully there's a place like that for people who are reading it while you may not live in the desert. What is that place to you, right? Like, where do you go that you feel that kind of like unspoken, like mystery, right? Like that, that special feeling that you feel when you're outside and it's snowing or it's raining or you're in the ocean or you're in the forest or whatever. Um, and so I'm trying to capture that vibe a little bit, right? Like, how do I, how do I put that vibe into a book? So what has been your writing process like for this upcoming project? Oh, so long and so winding and so long. I'll just say it again, because um, I was writing it during the pandemic. Well, we're, you know, I shouldn't say we're done with the pandemic, you know, it, at the early stage of the pandemic, right? And it was a lot of stopping and starting and working on other projects and then not touching it for months and then coming back to it. A lot of my writing happens in my head, right? A lot of my drawing also happens in my head. Um, sometimes people are visual people. I'm a very visual person. I like have scenes in my head and I, when I'm drawing something and I'm working on a project, I'm like literally visualizing it in my head and in, 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 in an attempt to draw it, right? And so a, a lot of it was done that way. A lot of it was living with it. And it's interesting to do something like that because it kind of, it can be confusing for sure because you don't have something on paper. Um, I was writing too. I shouldn't say that it was all done like that because I'm not like some, it's not like some genius stuff. You know, it's just like, that's just the way I was capable of working on it. It was practical, right? Because I didn't have a whole lot of time to sit down and write. Um, but it really like makes you second guess and really makes you question things. And, and for me, it really made me have to be honest with myself. I think that when I set out to work on this project, I intended it for, for it to be about something else. And so the writing process for me is a lot of like stripping things away and trying to get it the core of what you're really writing about. And sometimes that means getting rid of things that you love, right? Like you may love a certain drawing or a certain line that you've written if you're writing, but sometimes they just don't fit. And so it's been a lot of editing and, and redrawing. Um, and for the first time in my career almost, I only wrote for a while. I, I, I kind of forced myself not to draw with pencil and only write. And that was a, bit, that was a really big challenge for me. That was something new. And um, I had a hard time with it. And then eventually I felt like the story was in a good place from a writing standpoint. And then I went on to, to drawing it. So yeah, long and disorganized, but fun, you know, but fun, yeah. <laughs> and for you, what does all of this mean? Um, you know, being able to represent not only your culture and your art, but also to be an inspiration, you know, to anyone that wants to venture into the world that you're in. You know, not only my career, I think, but what I do as an illustrator, as a storyteller, right, um, is I think I treat it similarly, I approach it similarly to just like how I live my life, right? Like the words that I speak have a meaning and have a power and a weight, you know, because I have a platform, right? Like some people don't have the platform that I have. I'm, I'm not... Um, 
I'm very aware of that, right? I'm very aware of that privilege that I have to be able to have a platform to, to publish and to get my book out and my work out. And in some ways there's a responsibility with that, right? Like, because I have that platform, I, I tried to be intentional, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm trying to be, I try to be intentional with the work that I make and the words that I say. And I, I, I also, you know, when I'm speaking with other folks who are interested in doing something creative, and I say it generally like that because whatever you're interested in doing and whatever anyone's interested in doing, we're, we're always interested in multiple things, right? Like some, you like to cook and you like music and you like to dance and you like to whatever. All of those are created, all of those are like connected in some way, right? Like they're connected to the same energy and like the way that we live and the way we express ourselves and communicate. And so I think, uh, I, I try to be accessible. I try to be open and transparent. And I try to lift up other people who are trying to do this. Um, unfortunately, like in publishing, there's a lot of blocks. There's a lot of, um, you know, bias, right? There's a lot of racism in publishing. There's a lot of, um, you know, inequalities, you know, and it, it's very inequitable, right? Publishing is. And so as I'm moving through the world and moving through this industry, trying to do what I can to challenge that and push on those things. And a lot of that sometimes doesn't have anything to do with the work that I'm making, right? Sometimes it's the work that I'm saying no to is as important as the work that I'm making. So I also need to be aware of, am I the right person to tell this story, right? There's you know, something that I asked myself, which is, and I got it from a YouTube video that I watched, I'm translating it, I wish I could quote the YouTube video, but, and it's a common thing, it's like a common enough to where I feel comfortable not quoting that, that link, but, um, um, you know, like, why this, like, why this story, or why this project, why now, and why you, right, why are you working on this project, or the, with this project specifically, why are you doing it now, and are you the best person to be doing it? And so as I move forward, I, I try to answer that question. And a lot of the times, I would say the majority of the time, the answer to that last question is like, you're not the right person to do this. And so I think my, I see a responsibility in then what do I do to that question? How can I then lift up someone else who is the right person? How can I then you know, leave the door open? I got, in, I got into publishing through the back door, both, both Isabella and I did. We're not necessarily trained in what we're doing, right? And we just got an opportunity. So I think I think there's a responsibility in that to like hold the door open, right? And like knock the door down and like break the windows and like, you know, let everyone in, you know, so that we can like tell our stories. But um, but yeah, I think I think just that, you know, uh passing on that like your story is valid, you know, like people's stories are are important and um you know, I hope that everyone would find the opportunity and the privilege and the support to be able to tell their own story. So before we end, we have some rapid fire questions. Oh my God, I'm terrible at this. Okay, so <laughs> nervous for this. Okay, go ahead. The first question is, what is your favorite color? My favorite color is uh, teal or like turquoise. Uh, yeah, and then secondarily, like purple. Purple really like vibrates with me, I don't know, yeah. When are you the happiest? Oof. Um, right now I'm happiest holding my little boy. I have a newborn baby boy, Diego, and um, being with my wife, being with my family. 
um, being outside, being under the sun, drawing. Yeah, all of those things. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Don't be rushed, you know? Um, it's a winding path, as I, as I mentioned before. And, um, you know, who you are and is important, right? And where you come from is important. I think that's something that was not really clear to me when I was younger, was uh, that where I was from was really important. And, it, and it's taken me a little while to see that now, um, both with regard to family and language and culture and all of those things. But yeah, slow down is maybe what I would say, but you know, 18 year old me is not gonna listen to that, but I can say it nonetheless, you know? Um, if you could have three people dead or alive for dinner guests, who would they be? Oh, wow. They would all be relatives, certainly. I've lost a lot of people in my life. Um, I lost my dad at a young age. I don't wanna get emotional here. Um, I would have dinner with my dad for sure. Um, I would have dinner with my uncle and then I have two cousins that have passed on that I would like to have dinner with. They would definitely be relatives though. They would definitely be the, the people who've come before me and passed on. Um, so there may be three, only three chairs at the table because you only gave me three chairs at the table, but there would be standing room and we would get the folding chairs out of the like cuartito of the little shed and like bring the folding chairs out and like there would be room for everyone. But yeah, it would be, it would be those people for sure. <laughs> What is the song that you have on repeat currently? Oh, whoa, I was not prepared for this one. Okay, um, I think always, always, there's an album that I listen to very frequently that's gotten me through some hard times in my life. It's only four songs, so I'm gonna cheat. Sorry, I'm just like a cheater, I don't know, sorry. Um, but there's, there are, uh, they are like the, there are variations on Jay Dilla. There's a producer, a hip hop producer uh, by the name of Jay Dilla. Um, and um, these, these composers, uh, Carlos Nino and Miguel Atwood, who are, who are based in LA, took four of his songs and there's a little EP and it's called Sweet for Ma Dukes. It's a suite for Jay Dilla's mother, basically because Jay Dilla passed at a young age. And they're very, just beautiful they're just beautiful songs and they really really calm me down when I get super stressed out it's one of the few albums that I have saved on my phone and I have it on I have it there for a reason I have it there because it keeps me safe and it like helps me get through like anxiety or just like something that I'm going through but it's on repeat you know it's a stressful time that we're living in so I, I listen to those quite a bit what is a book that you have read recently or currently reading that you would recommend I, I read this book frequently. I read it a while ago, but I, uh, this one summer by Jillian Tamaki, it's a com it's a graphic novel, you know? Um, I read that one a lot. I think it's a really great book. You know, it's a really good story. It's like masterful visual storytelling and like comic book making. So yeah, I'll just say that one. Well, thank you so much, Zeke. We learned a lot about you. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to sit down with us and talk. Can you let everyone at home know about any upcoming projects and where they could connect with you? Yeah, thank you all so much uh, for the time to be with y'all here. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you to you, Desiree and Melissa for having me. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at zpvisual. It's uh, Setape Visual in Spanish. Um, 
And so my website is zpvisual.com if you want to check out more work in my portfolio. And then the project that I'm working on, I'm working on one thing, but I don't think I can talk about it right now, but I'm working on a book with another author. It's about a comic book character and I'm super excited about it. So, so look out for that one for sure. And then, yeah, the, the book that I'm writing and illustrating, um, it's a picture book, it's a children's book, but it's also, you know, it's, they're meant for anyone. You can, anyone can read a picture book, I think, right? Sometimes you just need this like quick little reset, you know? So I would say, check that out. Um, and then I'm, I'm always posting work, you know, on my page and um, on Instagram, so yeah. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much. We truly appreciate you and your time. And again, thank you so much. Thank you all so much for the work you're doing. Thank you for the platform. And yeah, we'll see y'all later. Peace. Did you enjoy this episode? I'm sure you did. Don't forget to follow us on our socials, both on Facebook and Instagram at LAC. And follow us on Spotify and Apple or anywhere where you get your podcast from at Teen Gen Talks, the podcast. Also make sure to give us a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Glendale Library Arts and Culture, where we post the full episode videos every Friday at 4.30 p.m.